out there in podcast land. You have know, once again to Combat Sports with Rhino, episode 176. Our guest a little bit later on going 10 rounds with Rhino, 6-0, LFA Bantamweight. Casey Tanner joins us. It is a great one. He is a fantastic fighter. Really, really had a great time talking to him. Can't wait to see him perform his next go-around with the LFA. So, yes, Casey Tanner a little bit later on going 10 rounds with Rhino. So, APB, our intro in our schedule is as follows. We are going to have our... Um, results from both the 135-pound undisputed title between Devin Haney and Vasily Lomachenko, as well as the super lightweight title that took place in Dublin, Ireland, between Katie Taylor and Chantel Cameron. We are also going to, of course, have our full UFC Vegas 73 breakdown. We're going to have some awesome Q&A with members of the Rhino Gang, 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 gang. Of course, APB and I will have our drops of the night. And then the aforementioned Casey Tanner, an owner of the incredible Soliev submission, which is one of the main reasons I fucking reached out to him because it's so fucking cool. Uh, he's, he's the latest fighter to go 10 rounds with Rhino. So, without any further ado, let's go ahead and get our swim trucks and our flippy floppies on and dive right in. So, the first fight from yesterday was from uh, the Three Arena in Dublin, Ireland. The super lightweight title was on the line between Katie Taylor and Chantel Cameron. By all accounts, great fight. I just saw highlights of it. Very, very good fight back and forth. That ended up being a majority decision for Chantel Cameron, which means one judge had it a draw. The other two judges had it for Chantel. But I really like Katie Taylor. I got to know her a little bit more. A lot of the um, interviews that went on, especially I watched her walk through the town with Ariel Helwani the other day, which was really cool. Um, but, yeah, very close, good fight. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad boxing – especially women's boxing is kind of getting more shine. The more of these really high level fights that are happening, it's, it's awesome to see. So big ups to both Katie Taylor and Sheltel Cameron in that one. All right. Then from later in the evening, we had Devin Haney versus Vasily Lomachenko. Now, oftentimes in boxing, we hear, oh, this person got robbed. This person got robbed. Robbery, robbery, robbery. We hear an MMA too, but from literally a lot of accounts that I follow who I actually trust their judgment, everybody is saying that Lomachenko got robbed and that he should have won uh, the fight last night, but it ended up going to Devin Haney. You know, his decision after 12 rounds. I, again, I've only seen highlights thus far. I'm going to have to sit down and watch the whole thing, kind of score it myself. But two guys who I really trust how they judge and score boxing, um, both gave it to Lomachenko uh, seven to five. So I'm like, it's probably that's what I'm really scoring it to. But I'm going to have to watch it. But again, a lot of people are, call, are calling for uh, BS robbery on that one, which, you know, pretty par for the course sometimes when it comes to boxing. All right. So let's go ahead and get into the UFC from Las Vegas at the Apex Center, Las Vegas 73. We had our first fight with Takashi Sato versus Themba Garimbo. Um, they exchanged takedowns early. Both got up very quickly. Uh, Sato got a nice trip takedown, but then like, Themba rolled through with it and got on top. Um, you know, Themba, Themba Garimbo looked really good, essentially from the towards the end of the first round through the remainder of the fight. His, his takedowns, his back control, his timing. Um, he looked really good. Good performance by him. He got the UD, and that one at 170 pounds. Moving into 125, we had Natalia Silva versus, versus Victoria Leonardo. This was one-way fucking traffic, dude. Holy shit. A left hook dropped Leonardo early. Three successive head kicks. All got thrown up by Silva. Victoria blocked him. But think about it, APB. Even if we have our little four-ounce gloves on and we have our arms in our way, if someone is kicking us with their shit in the head, it's going to take some effect on our fucking brain. <laughs> yeah. So she got three in a row, which is amazing. Um, and then another punch. 
And then another blocked head kick. I mean, Victoria Leonardo was on skates. Natalia Silva looked fantastic. On she the did look good. Yeah. She got the TKO in the first round of Victoria Leonardo. Um, that was a pretty easy one to call it 125. And then she was really, I was really impressed with her English after, to be honest with you. I was like, wow, like she barely even needs that translator. Incredible yeah, performance. Yeah, I thought it was cool that she was, that she was at least trying you know, to speak English and she did good. And we know that she loves Jesus. She made that clear. Yes. She made that very clear. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, Natalia Silva is someone to really be reckoned with at 125. So good win for her. All right. The first of the, of the Rhino gang fighters uh, that fought last night on the card, we had our, our man, Nick Fiore for the new England cartel versus Chase Hooper, who has bumped up a weight class. So he's no longer fighting at 145. He's up to a full 155. -er. He looks who like a real, a real man. He, like his draw. His balls finally dropped. <laughs> well, he's married, so I certainly hope they have by now. Um, I, I, who the fuck was this Chase Hooper last night? Where, where is the kid who, for the last five or six fights in the UFC that we've seen, has just like done everything he could to get it to the ground and work from there? Not this Chase Hooper. This Chase Hooper was coming forward with like reckless abandon. Um, he was throwing really hard shots, not the cleanest, most technical you've ever seen APB, but like when they were landing, they were really hurting Nick Fiore. Nick was trying to fight back, but he was overwhelmed. Um, at one point, if you watch, he landed a beautiful inside elbow that really hurt Nick Fiore. who went down. Chase kind of followed him to the ground. Anytime Nick would take Chase down, he would go to his back. He would flip himself over. He would get into an advantageous position. So from the ground on the feet, Chase Hooper was dominant last night and it was really impressive he outstruck nick by like 100 plus strikes it was just it was a whole new chase hooper and you know i'm not gonna hate on the guy because he fought a rhino gang fighter but again i've never been impressed with him on the feet ever and last night i was and he looked really good and so we'll have to wait and see what happens with him um, moving forward big ups to nick fiori for being so tough and staying in there but it was chase hooper's night last night so he got the ud in that one all right moving into the heavyweight division we had rodrigo nascimento versus Ayer Latifi. This one was the first two rounds was basically Rogerio Nascimento with a huge reach advantage and with a huge height advantage, staying on the outside, fighting smart. Uh, Ayer Latifi would throw a couple leg kicks, but basically it was Rogerio Nascimento throwing a jab or a one-two, kind of following Ayer around the outside of the cage. And then finally in the third, Ayer Latifi got the takedown and did some work. But again, it was almost all Rogerio Nascimento as far as on the feet except for those leg kicks. Ayer Latifi somehow got a split decision. I don't know what judge gave it to him or why, but... I don't know either. He just looked out of breath the whole time to me. Like, he needed Greg Hardy's inhaler because he, <laughs> he looked awful, I thought. From what he had looked before, you know, whenever he was lighter, he used to be pretty good. I, I, I was not impressed with him last night. Ayer Latifi, as a 205-er, was a, a force to be reckoned with. I don't think he's very good at heavyweight. Um, he's had a couple successful wins, but... And heavyweight, but yeah, he did not look good last night. I thought it was a clear-cut UD for Rogerio, but they gave him the split yeah. decision, so at least the right guy won in that one. Okay, let's move into the fifth fight, which is 170 pounds. Our guy, Orion Koski versus Gilbert Urbina. Ooh. First of all, Orion, who has always been um, a very high-level professional, missed weight again, and, and that's something that they really have to address because if you do it once, okay, it happens to a lot of fighters. If you do it twice, then that starts to look on you like, you're doing something wrong or you're the problem or what have you. But they agreed to fight still. He missed it by two and a half pounds. So Orion Gilbert Urbina go in there. 
couple hard shots by Urbina, then a takedown, some nice ground and pound. He had a triangle choke attempt, um, more ground and pound. And then at some point during that first round APB, um, Orion's rib got cracked or messed up in some way because he was complaining to his um, to his corner people in between rounds. Gilbert Urbina came out much slower for some reason in the second, right? They were really kind of – he was taking his time. He was on the outside. Maybe he knew something we didn't. I don't know. But then it kicked to the body. Holy shit. Crumpled Orion. He goes down. A couple more shots from the standing ground and pound. Gilbert Urbina gets the TKO in the second round over Orion Cossey. Again, Rhino gang fighters, we, we ride with them when they win, lose, or draw. And so we still ride with Orion. I just want to see him get his weight situation taken care of so a bunch of people aren't talking shit about him because he's a really good fighter and a good dude. All right. So big ups to Gilbert Urbina in that one. And then I thought it was funny, ABB, what do you say afterwards? We're going to go smoke some of that gelato. Is that what he yeah. said? <laughs> he's, he's some kind of strain or something, I guess, or strand, as you like. As I would say strand, <laughs> but it really is a strain. Gelato. I'm like, where do these names come from? Like Jim Sue, when you watch his post, he's like, oh, I got this one. This is peanut butter <laughs> Captain Crunch or whatever. The fuck yeah, they, are, they have interesting names for sure. Yeah, but apparently they were smoking some gelato last night. So big <laughs> win for Gilbert Urbina in that one. All right. Moving into Vanessa Demopoulos. Speaking of weight misses who missed by two and a half pounds against Carolina Kovalkiewicz. I did not see this fight going this way. I thought it was going to be more Vanessa Demopoulos trying to take Carolina down, but they really decided to stand and betray the entire time, essentially, dude. Like, Carolina Kovalkiewicz has looked good her last couple, but then, you know, again, you got to remember, not that long ago, she was on a five-fight losing streak, you know? Yeah. And She's <clears> turned <throat> it around, for sure. Yeah, and Vanessa Demopoulos has looked good her last few fights. You know, she's always jumping in everybody's arms. And so she's, yeah. but again, I thought her on the ground was going to be where this, a lot of this was going to take place, but it didn't. Um, Kovalkiewicz was taller. She fought longer. She was landing more accurately. Vanessa Demopoulos was throwing a lot of shit, but just not landing a lot of shit coming up. Just like, just like a little bit short. You know what I mean? Like she was still making contact, but there was just no oomph behind it. Right. Um, a few of those body shots were pretty good, but basically it was Carolina Kovalkiewicz staying on her bike, moving around the outside, doing a really good job of hitting and not getting hit hard. And she really clearly, um, really clearly got the UD in that one of Vanessa, Vanessa Demopoulos by all three rounds, dude, for sure. It was really fun that third round, too. They really got after it the third, especially late in the third. I was impressed by both of them. But, yeah, uh, Cole Cavish gets the very clear-cut UD in that one. All right. Let's move into Slava Claus versus Mahashate, which is so fun to say. Mahashate. Yes. Uh, Mahashate Borshev, world-class kickboxer, multiple-time kickboxing champion. Mahashate, very young fighter, but very exciting. Um, a big head kick for Mahashate earlier. There was some nice body kicks from Borshev. Uh, again, some good exchanges in that first round. Mahashate probably had the advantage until the very end when he got hurt. And then when they come out in the second, <laughs> Borsev stuffs the takedowns. He drops Mahashate briefly, and then a left hook, right hand combination puts Mahashate down and out. TKO in the second round for Slava Claus over Mahashate. And it was awesome. I was hyped. It was exciting. I loved it. I think everybody else did too. So great finish for Vacheslav. Borsev over Mahashate. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get into the next one, which also was a lightweight or 155 pounds. We had Diego Fajeda versus longtime veteran Michael Johnson. The first round was, dude, it was all Michael Johnson, dude. Four-punch combination. Seemed to stumble Diego. Uh, Michael hurt him again with another shot. And then another shot. He seemed to kind of be on skates a little bit. Diego Fajeda was getting outclassed. 
and then the second round <laughs> Diego Fajeda eats a shot, steps back, comes forward with a huge overhand right, which hits Michael Johnson right in the chin. Michael Johnson goes not out, but as we like to say around here, out, out. And he was asleep, and his legs were crossed, and his arms were stiff, and he got zombied by Diego Fajeda in the second round with a huge overhand right. Uh, coming off of three losses in a row, Diego Fajeda really needed that win, and what a way to get it and put a stamp on it. So big win for Diego Fajeda over longtime veteran Michael Johnson. All right. Let's go into Joaquin Buckley, dude. And then we're going to talk about him for a second, ATB. <laughs> okay. Joaquin Buckley is someone who I have always kind of been on the cusp of like him. Like, I like him. I like the way he fights. I like his explosivity. Um, he's a little cringy sometimes with what he says. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and like I've seen some backstage stuff where he got into it with, um, with boars one time in the, in the back of one of the fights. It just, it's hard for me to really fully get on board. And then I found out he is now training in Michigan, um, which I was like, okay, we're going to lean this way as long as he has a good performance on this one and good performance. He did. I he mean, did. boy, they were both through. Throwing some hard shit in the first, but Joaquin Buckley was earlier to the punch. He was landing more. Andre Fialau uh, landed a, a couple of really nice shots. He was able to get out of the way with um, he was able to get out of the way with his head movement here and there. And I think also part of that was Joaquin Buckley kind of being wild and really looking for that knockout. But then holy shit, <laughs> left hand, a fucking left hook from Buckley, and then a one-one-two, and then holy shit, clash. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot about the clash heads part. They did clash heads, but then there was a quick restart. And then a head kick so bad. Josh Filau, one more punch on the ground. After he took time to look at him and admire his work, hit him one more time because the <laughs> fucking Gary Hatley, the referee, was too slow to get in there. Yeah, that was bad on the ref. because That was not on Buckley, not, dude. That's totally on the referee for not yeah, getting in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. <laughs> so Buckley, he slips his work after the head kick, stares at him, hits him one more time, <laughs> and backs away. TKO in the second round for Joaquin Buckley. And wow. then he grabs... And then he grabs a prime and pours it on his head and tries to get it endorsed. <laughs> Which will did probably work, that? to be honest. Yes, I did. It's probably good because he called out. He's like, he's like, Logan Paul. He was like, you know, you want to talk about sponsor money, sponsor me or whatever the fuck. And <laughs> it might work, dude. And if it does, he's a genius. So, yeah. yeah. 170 pound Joaquin Buckley is a problem. Um, I'm really looking forward to it again. If he stays training in Michigan, I'm going to force myself to be like a huge Joaquin <laughs> <laughs> That's how we're going to do it on that one. All right. Getting into our next fight, which is the catch weight of 120 pounds. We have Rhino Gang fighter Emily Ducote versus Loopy Goodness. And I love Loopy, and I always have. But I always got a gleam in my Rhino Gang fighters. And Loopy Goodness looked amazing last night. Yes, he did. The first round was all Loopy. I mean, hard one-twos, leg kicks, teeps to the body. Everything that she did was seem to be landing on Emily Ducote. And Emily was wearing it, dude. Her face was purple by the end of the first round. In the second round, it was more loopy in the first half of it with the straight kicks and the punches and the moving forward and the pressure. Emily started to come on a little bit towards the end of the second. And then in the third was very competitive. Um, Emily seemed to kind of get her wits about her, was planting when she threw, not backing up as much. It was a very close third. I would say you could give it to either one or the third, but I mean the first two we're all loopy goodness. So big win for her. You name a decision in that one. And I'll catch you at 120 pounds. All right. Let's get into our 11th fight, which was um, Anthony Fluffy Hernandez versus Edmund Shabazian. What to say about this fight, APB? The first maybe minute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would say that's a good way to say it. The first minute or so, Edmund looked great. He landed a few hard straight twos on Anthony Hernandez. 
And he seemed to be like, you know, pretty good control of the feet. Literally after that first minute or so, it was all Anthony Hernandez. Non-stop takedowns, ground and pound, submission attempts. When they got up to the feet, he hurt him on the feet. Anthony Hernandez pushed a pace that we rarely ever see at 185 pounds. It was incredible. He opened up Edmund on the ground with some fucking elbows. He beat Edmund's ass in the most of the first, all of the second, all of the third, right up until the fucking TKO um, from the ground and pound finish for uh, Anthony Fluffy Hernandez over Edmund Shabazian. I loved it. I think everybody else did too. Great fight, fun fight, one-sided as fuck, but still entertaining. So big ups to Fluffy yeah. Hernandez in that one. All right. Let's get into our main event, our 12th fight. 115 pounds, Mackenzie Turner versus Angela Hill. This fight blew my mind. Wow. That's a it big did. statement. <laughs> it did. I really enjoyed it the, myself. It was mostly the pace <clears throat> that Mackenzie Dern had and everything that Angela Hill absorbed. I mean, yeah. it, was, it was crazy. I couldn't believe that she didn't finish her. I mean, I, I really couldn't. Angela Hill is a really tough lady. Mackenzie Dern, again, kind of in like a more impressive way of Chase Hooper, has just completely revamped her hands. She has completely gotten her striking down. Again, it's not the most technical in the world, but it is strong. It is furious. She was like on fire last night. She just kept She was on a mission. <laughs> yeah. And if people are talking about, you know, oh, well, it's because her and her husband got divorced, because she had a hard camp, and because this other, I'm like, whatever it takes, dude, I don't care. If we right. can see performance she like looked that, amazing. I don't care what, yeah. Right. I don't care what lights your fire. As long as you get in there and you fucking perform, which she did. And she did it she amazingly. Did. Not only was that she knee, doing, I can't believe that knee didn't oh knock gosh. out Angela Hill. It was beautiful. Angela and those Hill, arm bars all, and the arm triangle that yeah. she had, we almost both got our picks in that first round. I know. You we were texting each other. <laughs> you were like, ooh, I'm going to get my pick. And I was like, ooh, I'm going to get mine. <laughs> because the arm triangle was there. She didn't quite get it. And then the arm bar was there. She didn't quite get it. I don't it. know how she defended those arm bars either. There were several attempts, and she just somehow held it together. For as great as Mackenzie Dern looked last night, I mean, with the obviously with the striking, with the submission attempts, with the grappling, with that huge fucking knee to the face. For everything that she did, you got to give Angela Hill huge props for staying in there. I mean, she showed toughness. She showed great abilities for submission escapes from a now third-degree black belt in jiu-jitsu. She got her stripe. Yeah, she did. Um, But again, this was all Mackenzie Dern's last night. So yeah, the narrative then becomes Mackenzie Dern looked fantastic in every facet of the game. She was not able to finish Angela Hill, and I don't think it was for a lack of ability on Mackenzie Dern. I think it was the toughness and the defensive skills of um, of Angela Hill to be able to see her way through uh, um, all five rounds on that one. So Mackenzie Dern gets the unanimous decision in that one. And to me, to a lot of other people, she's beautiful. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay? She is beautiful. I agree. I agree. This is from I Was Joking with Rhino. And Rhino, have you listened to Juice's show? that he posted on Friday. I have not heard that one yet. Okay. Well, let me, it's called, are you sitting me? And that's all I'm going to say. And you need to listen to it. He, so, what? go ahead. I was going to say, he got part of that thread last night with you guys all posting yeah. that, those memes. <laughs> I'm just saying this. I think she's beautiful. I think she's a, awesome fighter not just in jiu-jitsu anymore but we all learned her striking has really gotten on point and we actually have a question about that later on in the rhino gate card so let's go ahead and get into our drops of the night from last night i mean there were a couple in boxing that were very 
worthy of it. But I'm going to stick with the UFC 73. Diego Fajeda's overhand right on Michael Johnson. What a clean KO. What a beautiful shot. Yeah, that gets my drop of the night for sure. APB, do you have a different one from last night? No, of course I don't. How could I, how could I pick anything else? So this fight live, whenever it was going on, I was working last night, so I'm trying to watch fights and work. So I had to walk away. Like, I watched the first round, and it was just as you said, Michael Johnson was winning. Well, I had to go do some work, and I come back, and I see Michael Johnson asleep on the ground with his legs crossed, <laughs> like he's in a coffin. And I was like, what the hell happened? So I had to go back and look at it, and that <laughs> drop was nuts so yeah it's obviously Diego Fajaya gets my drop of the night all right so those are our drops of the night from last night's card we uh we have no UFC this upcoming week and here's the funny part we actually have a question about it later on in the in the Q&A session but like I just want to address it now like it is no you know what I'll wait I'll wait I'll wait I my, my point is this there should always be a PFL or a Bellator or a one card on the nights where there's not a UFC and we'll get into that more a little bit later but it just makes no sense. So there is there is good pro boxing on next week. There's an LFA. So there is some content next week, but there is no UFC for this coming week. So no picks for that. So without that part of our show having to be uh, done, we're going to go ahead into our Q&A. Our first one I know comes from our homie, MMA by Milliken. What do you got for us this week, my dude? MMA by Milliken says, is it time for Jessica Rose Clark to retire? How do you feel about knees to a grounded <laughs> opponent? So, yeah, dude, on the first part, I do think it's probably time for Jessica Rose Clark to hang him up. Um, she has, what is she, she's lost three of her last five. I'm sorry. She has lost three in a row and five of her last seven. So, yeah, I definitely think it's probably time for Jessica Rose Clark to either hang him up or maybe, I don't know, maybe try a different promotion once or twice. Maybe some BKFC. Bare knuckle. She should do yeah. knuckle. Yeah, that's what I said. So, BKFC and then. Uh, then hang them up. Yeah, I think we're done seeing her in the octagon for sure. And then I don't know if we're going to see her in MMA anymore. But, yeah, I would I would hang them up if I was her and then maybe try a couple bare-knuckle fights. See how you do there. As far as knees to grounded opponents, we've definitely talked about this before. It's a resounding yes. They should be allowed, yes. dude. Yes. Much like 12 to 6 elbows, there are way too many fighters who, like, exploit the rule, right? Where they'll be up against a cage and they'll just kind of put their hand down. You know, just, like, have their just their tippy-tippy fingers on the ground. So they're technically a grounded opponent, so they can't take a knee to the head. Fuck that. You should totally be able to knee to the head. Especially, like, if you remember the pride days when somebody would have, like, a front choke on somebody or, like, have them, like, kind of in a guillotine, but they're both on their knees. And then they would raise up and throw a couple knees to the head. Oh, I loved that shit. It was so devastating. I definitely would like to see that again. So, dude, Milliken, I am 100% on board with knees to the head of a grounded opponent as soon as possible. I don't know if it's ever going to happen, but I would definitely vote for it if I got a vote on that. And for sure, Jessica Rose Clark's probably hanging up from, uh, from MMA. So those are my answers on that one. Thank you very much, my dude. All right, let's get into our homie, D-Crons, from up in Canada Wayne. D-Crons, what do you got for us this week, dude? Well, Decrons wants to hear your thoughts on Francis Ngannou and his deal with the PFL. Is this where you'd like to see him? And do you think it was a good move? What do you think the future holds for Francis? Much love, Rano. Gang, gang. Well, much love back to you, my broski. So, dude, I'm super torn on this, buddy. Um, on the one hand, I want Francis to get big money, right? Hardest puncher in the world, exciting fighter, has done some great things. I like what, that he's trying to force the UFC's hand to increase fighter pay, right? I like that part. 
I truly believe Francis is a good human being and he has good intentions with all of this stuff that he's trying to get done. That being said, I want the best heavyweight in the world to be in the UFC because that's where the most eyes are going to be on him. That's where they can be um, put the best fighters up against each other, right? The best talent in the world is in the UFC. I know there are some other promotions that's really top tier fighters, but again, start to finish, top to bottom, left to right, it's the UFC. So I want to see the best against the best, and we won't have that with him not in the UFC, right? So the other part is how much money is enough money? Like, I don't know exactly the details of this PFL situation. I know he can, um, I know he's going to get big money for fighting. I know he's going to demand that his opponents get $2 million for fighting him, which is phenomenal. I know he's got the open capability to box that are letting him have. So I know he got pretty much everything he wanted from this. I just wonder what the actual difference in money was like. What's how much is enough? Like, I don't know, right? Lastly, and I almost burped saying that because like, it's like, <laughs> it, like it like hurts me in my gut so much. We're never going to see fucking Francis Ngannou versus John Jones now. Like, yeah, I, wanted this fight, I wanted this fight so bad for so long. I've been salivating about it. I've dreamed about it. I've wanted it to happen. It's never going to happen, dude. Francis Ngannou versus John Jones at heavyweight is one of those once-in-a-lifetime type of fights. I mean, that's it's just such a bummer. So that's why I'm kind of torn out, dude. I see some of the good that's going to come out of it or could come out of it for not just Francis, but for fighting or for MMA in general. But I just, we're getting robbed of the best of the best fighting each other at the highest level in the biggest promotion, which does bother me too. So again, I see both sides. I'm torn on it, but those are my answers on that one. Thank you very much. D Kronz. Okay. Let's get into my homie, the doc doc. What do you got for us this week? My dude. Doc says, I know you're a fan of both Dustin and Justin's, but the BMF belt being brought back again, really? And then he has the eye roll emoji. <laughs> it is really, really weird that they're bringing that back, especially after they're like, oh, this is just a one-time deal. Right. It's weird. Yeah, yeah, dude. These these things are, are the, first of all, let's, let me preface everything by saying I love Dustin Poirier. I love him as a fighter. I love his philanthropy. Dustin Poirier is all aces by me. That's first of all. Second of all, Justin Gaethje is probably my favorite fighter on the roster to watch fight. Uh, it is just blood and guts every fucking time. He's never in a boring fight. And they're they're going to run it back, and it's going to be great again. The first one was a really fun It's going to be so good. Yeah. The first one was a really fun fight. And Justin Gaethje hates losing, and I know he's had to sit on this <laughs> loss for a year or two, and he's going to want to you know seek a, you know his, his vengeance upon Dustin Poirier, and I think it's going to be a great fight again. The idea that we had to have the BMF belt that got such a poor and negative reaction the first time around between uh, Diaz and Masvidal. Why the first time it was kind of funny, you know, it was, it was kind of funny to me, but yeah, it's, I, I don't get it. It had a very overall negative reaction, not just media wise, but fan wise and so on and so forth. And okay. And afterwards it kind of was like, okay, we had this thing, whatever we tried it. It didn't work. Let's move on. no, they're bringing it back again, and nobody asked for this, dude. Nobody asked for it. That is what's so weird. It's not like Dustin and Justin were like, oh, well, we're not going to fight unless you bring back the BFF, though. Like, yeah, 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 we're not going to Nobody's been campaigning for it. It's, it's <laughs> so bizarre. We're not going to sign contracts unless we bring back the BMF, Bill. Um, <laughs> no one's clamoring for this. No one's like, oh, we want the BMF, Bill. Like, no one has said anything. So I don't know why this is happening, but again, you can kind of compartmentalize that part of it 
and be like, who gives a shit about this trinket belt that doesn't mean anything to anybody? And let's just let's just enjoy the violence that's going to be Dustin Poirier versus Justin Gaethje too. That's how I'm going to kind of look at it, my dude. Yes, there there doesn't need to be any more BMF belt, but whatever the fuck. Let's just let's just focus on enjoy the fight. So, Craig or Doc, I should say, that's my answer on that. With my dude, appreciate you. All right, let's get into our homie, that juicy fruit baby. We're friendly sparring pod juice. What do you got for us this week, dude? Juice the Fruit Baby wants to know. He says, what's up, Rhino and the Rhino gang? You know who What's up, is Juice? What <laughs> what's up, Juice? <laughs> My questions for you are about Mackenzie Dern. Her striking is markedly improved from her previous performances. And I wanted to ask, A, do you think this can be attributed to her work with Jason? Is it Perillo? Is that, is yeah, that how you say yeah, it? Yeah. Okay, Jason Perillo. And B, she called out Rose. Do you think... This new and improved version of Dern beats Rose or at least gives her problems. I do, and I really want to see that fight personally. Wow, I love that answer. And then I always think the funny thing you can think about to like remember how to say Jason Perillo's name is like Jason Derulo. You know, Jason Derulo. I always go, (laughs) Jason Perillo. (laughs) That's good to know. I will always say that now whenever I see his name. So, yeah, dude, I think partly it is absolutely work with Jason Perillo. Uh, even though he had to take off for a couple of weeks during her camp to help Luke Rockhold for his um, his bare knuckle fight against Mike Perry. Jason Perillo has been around a long time. I mean, this list goes on and on for the fighters that he has worked with, championship fighters like Michael Bisping. I mean, so many guys that Jason Perillo has increased um, their ability on the feet with their striking. So I'm sure that's a big part of it. Also, you just got to remember, dude, she's just gotten more comfortable and confident in the cage. That only comes with experience. She has now had 11 UFC fights, dude. Now, let that sink in for a second. Like, it's okay to be kind of a jiu-jitsu practitioner who has three or four fights where they just rely on the jiu-jitsu. But if you don't improve and you keep moving up the ladder, you're going to get smashed. And she has really started to improve, improve, improve. And then last night, we saw a huge jump in how well she looked. And I think a lot of it has to do with just comfortability, which comes from the experience of being inside the octagon. So that's the first part. The second part is this. You think of Rose, you think of McKenzie, like just, maybe it's just me, but like I think of Rose as being this way more experienced fighter, right? Like she's been around longer, she's had higher level fights, oh, she's way more experienced. She's not. Mackenzie Dern is 13 and three. She's two and two in her last four. Rose is 11 and five and three and two in her last five. Granted, the higher level of competition goes to Rose Namajunas, but Mackenzie Dern and Rose Namajunas, I think that could be a very combustible fucking fight. I think they would have a lot of fun exchanges on the feet. Obviously, McKenzie would be better on the ground, but Rose has great jujitsu as well. Um, When she called out Rose, I thought about it. I was like, wow, that's actually a fucking great fight. And I 100% want to see it. I I really hope that that fight gets made over the next, I don't know, six months or something. Yes, McKenzie Dern versus Rose Namajunas. Let's make it happen, Kevin. I am all for it. So 100% co-sign on that one. Thank you very much, Juice. Make sure you uh, check out the Juicy Fruit Baby, the friendly sparring pod with him and T-Cross. Really, really fun show over there with those guys. Okay. Let's get into our homie Brian from the Home and Sale. Holster, what do you got for us this week, dude? Brian says, once again, we're having an upcoming Saturday without a UFC, and neither the PFL or Bellator thought that might be a good time for a fight card to get all these eyes of MMA fans on them. Does it make doesn't make much sense to me? What's your take, Rhino? Dude, you and me both. I'll never fully understand why the number two and three promotions of MMA in America 
don't run shows on those very rare Saturdays where there is no UFC. You'd get that info plenty ahead of time. And they put their schedule out a long in advance for probably when they're going to be having a card, right, as far as the UFC goes. So you can see, oh, they're not having one on the Saturday of Memorial Weekend. This would be a great time to put together a banger show and get some more eyes on us, get some more fucking sponsors maybe willing to get involved with us, and then maybe have some new fans. Are you telling me, APB, that Bellator PFL puts on a fucking card with some of the best of their best people on a night where there is no UFC, that they're they're going to not pull at least 30, 40, maybe 50% of people who are going to watch the UFC are going to then in turn watch the PFL? I think they are. I think MMA yeah. fans are starving for content. And when they don't have a UFC, and it's, it's they, a holiday weekend, you know, if you're not doing stuff, you might just be at home and you might not have anything to do, but watch that. So yeah, it's exactly. real dumb. Yeah. I don't, I'll never understand it. dude. it's almost like they don't want to gain, gain ground. I mean, I they know just want to be like, uh, <coughs> never number one, I guess. Yeah. I'm happy just to be in my little spot in my little thing. I don't ever want to grow. And I mean, I know that's not the case. But that's what it seems like when you don't take right. advantage of situations like this. So, yeah, dude, that's my answer on that one, Holster. Thank you very much, my dude. All right. Let's get into our army, the rage of sweet potato. What do you got for us this week, my dude? RSP says, the main event of last night's card were the only ranked fighters for the entire event. Is this a sign of the roster bloat or of a general decline in quality of the UFC product? A little bit with the roster bloat, dude, but more so like, the UFC, and you got to be honest, you got to give credit where their credit is due. The ability to put on as many shows as they do and provide that much content, it's a lot of work, I am sure. And it's frankly impressive, especially by a business standard, that they're able to pull it off week after week, right? I don't mind a card with lesser-known fighters and unranked names all over it because it's your chance to learn about them. It's your chance to see who they are and kind of figure out, well, they're going to be somebody good, or, oh, no, we're probably not going to see them anymore, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so I like those cards every once in a while. Again, I don't want to see that every week, but, you know, every once, you know, maybe once of every six or seven cards, you got a card like last night, and again, we say it time and time again. Was it a great card from start to finish? No, but there was a lot of really fun finishes that took place last night between... What was good fights. was really good. Yeah. What was bad was really bad. <laughs> yes, very well said, <laughs> So again, there it's not something that I think should happen often, but every once in a while, I think it's fine. Um, I know it's hard to have this much content and make these fights come off with us enjoying them. I know that's got to be a difficult task. I know the, the matchmakers and everybody you know behind the scenes, they're all doing their best. Here's, at the end of the day, I, I like those cards. I like the card like last night, um, but just not that often. Right? So you know, most of the time I want to see ranked fighters against ranked fighters or prospectors only one or two fights away from being ranked, you know, stuff like that. So, I, But again, I think last night's card was good. I give it an overall B because you're right. The fights that sucked, sucked, but the fights that were awesome were awesome. So, yeah, that's my answer on that one. Thank you very much, my homie, the Raiders Super Down from up in Canada Way. All right, APB, without any further ado. Let's go ahead and get into our 10 rounds of Rhino with LFA Bantamweight, undefeated LFA Bantamweight from out of Arizona um, and, and Fight Ready team, Casey Tanner. After a quick word from our sponsor, KR Designs. Hey, Rhino gang, are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together? Maybe make it feel a little bit more homey? How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom or an end table for the family room? We'll look no further than my good friends at KR Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. 
Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there, too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, knrcustomdesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out K&R Designs, Combat Sports with Rhino's proud sponsor. Oh, fight fan, we got another fantastic guest going 10 rounds of Rhino this week. 6-0, LFA Bantamweight, Casey Tanner is here. Casey, thank you so much for joining us today, sir. Hey, appreciate you, Rhino. Thanks for having me on, man. Hell yeah, dude. We are super stoked to have you on. So basically, homie, round one with Rhino is always the same. I love getting the origin story. Like, what's the background story? I first got involved in this crazy, wacky world of MMA, dude. Um, Well, man, started off as a wrestler. Um, and... My dad, you know, he was always a martial artist growing up, doing uh, Shotokan karate, and uh, it was an easy transition transition for me, man. Um, um, grew up wrestling in junior high, high school, and then, um, yeah, man, dad got me into karate and jujitsu, and we've just been coming up together, man. He's a brown belt, 68 years old, and uh, I'm a brown belt, and yeah, man, we're just doing it. That's awesome, dude. I love that fucking background story. So your next grab is the LFA 158 in Chandler, Arizona, May 19th on UFC Fight Pass. Um, as we record this, we're only about eight or nine days away from that fight. Was there a specific focal point of this camp this time around, Casey, or was it just kind of like, you know, I just need to get better everywhere, keep leveling up the across the board of my, you know, my toolkit, or was there anything like real specific you really wanted to sharpen up before this one? Um, no, man, not really. It's just, uh, just stay sharp on all the tools, to be honest with you. Uh, I've been training with, uh, Cejudo a lot for his last fight with Aljamain. And, uh, yeah, man, I was really helping him a lot, um, getting those tough rounds in. And, uh, yeah, for myself, it's just about being healthy. Uh, I think I'm a well, well-rounded fighter. Um, I feel like I can beat this guy anywhere. So, yeah, man, it's about staying healthy, staying sharp, uh, mentally just staying locked in. So, yeah, man, other other than that, I'm feeling great. Very good, my dude. Now, how did a fellow Midwesterner, because you're from Illinois and I'm from Michigan, how did you make your way yeah. out to Arizona? Like, who facilitated that? What's the story behind that big move for you, dude? Um, well, I came out when I was 19. I had a buddy training out here. Um he was a pro fighter from my hometown, so yeah, I joined him. Um, came out for a few months, um, got some good training in, you know, just just loved it. Um, then I went back home, had some fights, was winning all my amateur fights, and yeah, man, just felt right. I was ready to take the next step, really chase my dream, and you know, I had to go seek out those training partners. So. Uh, um, 
so yeah man i locked up with some really good dudes at fight ready frankie signs was a big one uh henry cejudo all those guys man it was just hard to to pass up an opportunity to train with some real high level dudes and some good coaches so so yeah man it was uh once i made it out here you uh, you segued you segued perfectly into another question there, <laughs> so I'm gonna go ahead and get this. So Fight Ready MMA is one of the premier gyms in the entire world, not just North America, but in the entire world. There are so many top tier fighters. You already mentioned Cejudo. There's been so many people who are currently there who come through there and train. What was what would you say has been one of the biggest benefits? Is it the training partners? Is it the facility? Is it the coaching? Is it a combination? What are some of the biggest benefits of training at MMA uh, Fight Ready? Um, absolutely, man. It's definitely a combination of all those things you just mentioned. Um, you know, the training partners has always been a big one. Um, you know, Henry, me and Henry grew up training together. I was getting him ready for an LFA fight, you know, eight or nine years ago. Um, so I've, I've been an OG around the, around the gym at fight ready. Um, Frankie signs, all those guys, you know, like they weren't even in the UFC when I first came. So I, I really seek these guys out and, uh, I knew this gym was going to blow up and, uh, so I picked a good one, but oh, yeah, you were the right. coaches, <laughs> yep. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I looked out there. So Santino is always, uh, he's been in my corner for quite a while now. He's been a great mentor to me and good coach. And, uh, yeah, man, just the combination. Now we got the experience and, uh, Angel Cejudo also my wrestling coach. Um, he's, he's been a big one in my corner there. So, um, so yeah, man. Very good. My dude. Now going back to the amateurs, which you previously mentioned, you're 11 and 0 in MMA, dude. There are always a ton of different reasons why someone goes on a really hot streak. It could be this, could be that, could be other. What do you think is the biggest reason, your biggest strength that has been able to have you lead out to this 11-0 and 0 start of your MMA career, dude? Um, I think the the consistency, man. Um, I've had a lot of ups and downs. Um, just, you know, I've, I've went through the adversity in my life. Uh, just like, you know, fighting through injuries and all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't think most people would have lasted as long as me. You know, I've been out here since I'm 21. I'm now 31 and, uh, I'm still in the game, man. I'm still here. I'm the best I've ever been. And, uh, I think, you know, I'm just a hard guy to beat. I'm a tough guy for any of these guys. Uh, you know, even in the UFC, I think I compete against all these guys, even some of the top 10 dudes. So, um, I think that's, you know, just my grit and my consistency, man. You know, I'm not going anywhere. I'm still here. I'm, uh, right. <laughs> I'm determined to, to make it. So, hell yeah, dude. Now it's so, it's so cool when you look back at like, we look back at your career, I don't know, let's just say five years ago in a promotion called Combate Americas, dude, you actually pulled off the submission that is so ultra rare. The Sulu stretch five years ago at Combate, dude. Is that something yeah, yep. you've actually trained? Like, or, or you just knew how to do it and you saw the opportunity and you pulled it off. Like, cause like to see that in person, in front, to see this dude's leg go right over his fucking head where he could have like touched his toes of the canvas was unbelievable. So the Sulu stretch, dude, did you learn that and then implement it in the gym beforehand or you just pulled it off in the fight? Yeah. Um, it was something that I, that I had known about and, uh, it's not something that I'm drilling, you know, consistently. Um, but yeah, I just seen the opportunity there, man, and, and, and took advantage of it. I was uh, 
I was in a close battle and uh, I had to pull something out. And, you know, I think that's <laughs> that's where I that's where I come alive, man. Is in those close those close battles. I was like, I'm the, like dude, the deeper I'm like, dude, waters going, I get in, man. Yeah, I'm like, dude, he's going for his neck. He's got to be going for his neck. He's definitely going for his neck. He's going for his neck. And then you go over the yeah. top and you grab that leg and just <laughs> so I was like, holy shit, Asulu, I'm stretching. He fucking got it. It was amazing. I loved it. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, dude, mm-hmm. you're out in Arizona, which is some of the most, I'm sorry, let me rephrase. In Arizona, there are some of the most beautiful outdoors in the world. Um, are you somebody who likes to go outside, do the hiking thing, anything outdoor, outdoor sports or anything like that? Absolutely, man. Yeah, that's, that's what I love, man. That's my escape, uh, getting out to Sedona, um, all that kind of stuff, man, with the boys. Uh, yeah, we, we hit up some good hikes, doing some camping this summer. Um, and yeah, man, I just grew up being an outdoorsman, man. I'm from a little... Uh, kind of a little town. My roots are real small town, blue collar, and uh, just hunting and fishing and growing up outdoors, riding, um, all that stuff. So yeah, man. Any any time I can get away, that's that's more or less what I'm doing. It sounds like a lot of fun. No, doesn't Sedona? Isn't that where they have those uh, houses that are built like um, out of tires and bottles and stuff that are like built in like, <laughs> you know you know what i'm talking about that's in sedona isn't it yeah i'm sure there is yeah i'm, oh, sure yeah, there's yeah, some I'm pretty of sure there is <laughs> yeah i wouldn't doubt it man yep there's some hippies out there for sure i think it looks yeah there's a really incredible engineering that they put together some of those homes out there so no dude if you weren't yep. a fighter if you had to pick a different career and i know it's hard to think about because you're so invested in what you are but just in you know just in your mind if like all right I'm not making enough money fighting right now. I wanted to do something else or maybe something you want to do down the line. Is there something that interests you like career wise you've ever thought about doing or getting into? Um, so my, my dad's a lineman. He works on power lines. Uh, that's, that's what my brother does too. And a lot of my cousins, uh, you know, it's kind of a small town thing. Uh, you know, working a trade out of high school, like, um, I don't think any of us really went to college, you know, it's all just get right to work when you, when you graduate high school. So, um, I kind of started that route when I was, you know, fresh out of high school, 18, 19 years old. And, uh, you know, when I got laid off for the first time, that was when I really decided that that's not something I I really want to chase unless I have to, um, I'm, I'm going for my dreams. I'm going to be a fighter um so man i locked in on that but um i think if i wasn't fighting that's probably something i'd be doing man Lions. which isn't a bad gig they yeah man they make good money and uh it is if you're a lot of traveling of so it's a, if you're afraid of heights like the old rhino it's not a good gig. it could <laughs> be yeah, yeah. Sure it's fine. <laughs> yeah you know it's uh it's exciting you know it's a dangerous job for sure so um yeah you gotta be smart when you're doing that kind of work but yeah, I'd, uh, I'm glad I'm a, I'm doing what I'm doing, to be honest Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. Now, um, now, yeah. now, Casey, round number nine is is, is a big-time fan favorite. And, you know, you're a 135er. You're a pretty good size 135er, too. So we know we got to cut weight. It's just what we have to do as professional yeah. fighters. It sucks, but it's just part of it. So in that time leading up to the fight, you know, we're depleting ourselves. We're not having all the things we want. We're getting to indulge in what we want to, you know, eat normally. So, dude, put yourself in the mindset of you've already won the fight. You're out with your friends, your family, your teammates. Everybody's getting ready to throw it on some grub. What do you want to get, and where do you want to get it from, my dude? Mm, good question, man. Um, you know, I'm going to have to go with uh, probably a fat a fat steak and uh, some mashed potatoes, man. 
<laughs> or, or where I'm going, but uh, I know I'm going somewhere. Then uh, that, that's and, a midwestern uh, answer, know, maybe, my dude. <laughs> yeah, a couple couple cold ones doesn't sound too bad either. But I'm gonna definitely wait till after, man. Get that dub, and uh, I'll be ready to indulge oh. for sure. Of course, my dude. Now, Casey, this is the easiest round of them all. Last round with Rhino. All you gotta do is share your social medias with us. So me and the Rhino gang, my friends, my family, we can all follow you along in your journey moving forward. So just share your social medias with us, dude. Uh, yeah, man. Casey Tanner on Facebook and KCT MMA on Instagram. So yeah, guys, give me a follow. Absolutely, everybody. Let's all give him a follow on Instagram. Uh, Casey Tanner is going to be fighting once again at LFA 158 in Chandler, Arizona on UFC Fight Pass, May 19th. It is going to be awesome. Dude, Casey, we know how crazy times are. We know how busy you are in the time leading up to a fight. So we really appreciate you taking the time to do the interview today, dude. We really fucking wish you best of luck, best of skill, and we definitely want to have you on again down the road, my guy. Hell yeah. Thanks, Ryan. I really appreciate you, man. This is Casey Tanner, and I just went 10 rounds with Rhino. Casey, thank you so much, dude. I'm so – we're all bummed that uh, your opponent pulled out of your LFA fight the other night, but we all know you are ready to rock and roll, and you can be rebooked real soon. So we really hope to see you uh, in that LFA cage again really, really soon, my dude, and keep that undefeated record going. So thank you very much, my broski, Casey. All right. Let's get our shots and our outro tour forum contributors to MMA by Milliken. Make sure you check him out. He is an awesome podcast and a great dude. Milliken, all right. To our homie Deke Franz, to Doc, to the Juicy Fruit Baby from Friendly Sparring Pot, to Brian from the Home and Sale, to the Rage of Sweet Potato, to our girl APB, the co-host with the Mohos, to our friends and the family of the Rhino Gang, to Brat, Filthy Casual, Tempting Tory, Tom and Sandy, Hunter and Dylan, my 24-7 FC peeps, Sammy, Jillian, Katie, Jason, oh, uh, shoot, I got lost, uh, <laughs> Monica and Chrissy, <laughs> my underdog, MMA peeps to Miss Fight Diva, Steffi Shannon, and Gina from the PRG, Jamal, the son of Thomas McTavish Clan, Ashley, the MMA nerd, all my friends and family uh, out there. We really appreciate all you guys' support week in and week out. The numbers have been great over the last couple of weeks. We really, really appreciate that. Um, of course, my beloved Rhino Gang GC. Love you guys. Rhino Gang Gang Gang. <laughs> to the feature play, Andrea. To D Rays, the best engineer in the biz. To J at JMMA4 on Twitter and at JMMA on YouTube for his amazing content. Really, really great dude. Another awesome poster this week for Casey Tanner. Really, really cool stuff. Um, you know, we're getting closing in on a uh, on a holiday weekend, fam. I hope you guys work hard. I hope you reach out to somebody you haven't talked to in a while. Let's reconnect. Let's reestablish those relationships because, you know, we only get one goal around around here. we got to make it the best we can. As we love to say around here, love is greater than hate. And we will see you next week. Kate Sun!